hello, and welcome to the first volley of 2017. Uh, happy to be back, be back with you. Seth, my friend, are you out there? Yeah, happy new year. First one. Good to be back. I know. Happy new year to you. It's a, been a strange one here. We've had weather almost in the 60s in New Hampshire in January. I don't know what that means, but mm. it's uh, it's very strange. End of the world, maybe. Uh, there have <laughs> been another... Enough other reasons to think it's the end of the world, but uh, that this might be it. Yeah, we've been up and down. I think my son told me this morning that it's going to get into the 50s again next week. So, same thing here. Did you have a nice break? I did. Um, it was good, good to be off. We didn't go anywhere, um, so we just sort of hung out. But uh, it was good to clear the brain and get ready for new things this year. How about you? Oh, same same here. Um, was a nice break. Didn't go anywhere. Got a couple of uh, skiing uh, excursions in, which was nice and uh, otherwise restful. So yeah, but good to be back. Yeah, yeah. New year, fresh slate. Right? Plenty to talk about this year for sure. That is for sure. So our big project that kicks off the year is um, we're getting ready to come out with it. So why don't we chat a little bit about that? Sound like a good good plan. Yeah, yeah, we we touched on this a little bit at the end of last year because we put out um, a preview of some of the trends that we were seeing, but uh, that really is just a teaser for this overall industry outlook, and it contains the trends as well as some overall scoping and sizing of the industry, and I think the thing that is a good lead for the outlook here is the notion that people are feeling pretty good about their business, about the overall IT industry, about the economy. Uh, Those are the three things that go into the business confidence index that we generate. And that business confidence index hit uh, an all-time high for us. So people are feeling pretty good. And I, I should point out that the people that we survey for this are within the IT channel. So this is a little bit of a channel-centric point of view, um, but obviously those people uh, are pretty deep within the IT industry, and the IT industry is having a bigger and bigger impact on the overall economy. So I think it's a pretty good proxy, but really interesting to see that optimism and uh, kind of interesting to think about some of the reasons that might be behind some of the optimism that we're seeing there. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's great to see that people have a optimistic outlook for the year ahead and hopefully years beyond. And I think it's definitely a reflection of the general economy right now is doing well. Um, Unemployment is way down. So there are a lot of positive signs that obviously would um, buoy people's attitudes about their businesses. And as we see in in doing this every year, um, when you track industries generally, the IT industry also tends to be more positive and performing at a better better level than many other industries that might be lagging a little bit. So, um, so again, I think this is all good news for our industry. I think part of it is a number of emerging things that are going on around cloud and different types of opportunities. Uh, we track the areas of growth that many channel firms are expecting to see uh, happen, and you know, not surprisingly, security is up there. And Seth, you know, tons about security. Obviously, that's going to be an opportunity area uh, for many reasons for the channel and for the industry as a whole. And then we're also seeing a lot of optimism around um, potential growth for software as a service, for infrastructure as a service. So that's a, you know, a, that is definitely a nod toward cloud um, and the momentum that it is, it is proving to show within the channel. And then mobility was another area where many channel firms are expecting some growth. 
all in all, though, you know, this this is a good sign because I think we're sort of exiting a period of more uncertainty, if you would agree with that, that within the in- industry itself. I think so. Um, I think that all of these changes that came about introduced a lot of uncertainty as to the direction of technology and what roles everyone would have in the new world order that's defined by technology. And I think people are figuring that out. I think they're also really beginning to appreciate that technology is going to change things. I don't know if they're fully grasping how all those changes will take place or what specific steps should be taken for transformation. But I think the scope of the change is beginning to impress people. I I know we said in the outlook that uh, right at the end of the year, the five most valuable companies in the world by market cap, uh, at least for that point in time, were all technology companies. Uh, And obviously, market cap isn't a perfect indicator for everything, uh, but it's still a kind of interesting moment. Uh, And I don't know if you saw the chart that was floating around related to this, but it looked back at the top five valuable companies over the past 15 years. And in 2001, there was just one technology company. In 2006, there was just one technology company. In 2011, just one. And then in 2016, it's all five. Uh, So it actually, it happened very quickly. You know, it was building and building and then it happened quickly. And the other thing that's interesting in that chart is that for the first three uh, data points that they have, 2001, 2006, and 2011, if you add up the, the market cap for the top five companies, you come up with $1.5 trillion, $1.7 trillion, $1.5 trillion. Then you get to 2016, and all of a sudden it's $2.3 trillion. Um, so a pretty decent jump there. And, and the notion that technology is changing things and is also expanding possibilities and leading to more productivity and more efficiency, there's a workforce impact that still has to be figured out, but it does seem to be growing the pie. Yeah, I th- that really was a surprising and, and uh, pretty awesome uh, stat to finally see that the technology companies are in that top five for market cap. Because in all the time I've been covering the tech industry, that, as you just said, historically has just not been the case. I think as we move forward, and we've, uh, we've mentioned this before in, in previous um, podcasts, what a technology company is that, that, that is changing. You know, all companies in some respects, whatever industry they're in, and not necessarily in IT industry themselves, are in many ways becoming technology companies, becoming digital companies. And I think that moving forward, even if the top market cap companies by name don't sound like those that are actually technically in the IT industry, you can bet that a lot of their growth is being generated by the fact that they're becoming much more digital and much more technology focused. Right. The, the areas for growth that you mentioned uh, are pretty interesting and we can talk about all of them. The one that I would probably start with is uh, the last one, at least on the list of, of four that, that we had which is mobility. And I don't know exactly how you feel, but it seems to me that over the past year to maybe 18 months, discussions around mobility have uh, kind of waned uh, and and died down a little bit. Uh, I think people feel like deploying those devices has become kind of commonplace and everyone's using them and people are figuring out exactly what to do with you know, enterprise mobility management or the types of provisioning, whether it's BYOD or not. And and then still 35% of the channel companies that we surveyed said that they expect that to be a growing uh, part of the industry over the next year. So 
I still think that it's uh, a pretty big part, and uh, I think there's a lot that still needs to be talked about with it. Uh, maybe part of the reason that it's died down is that advancing beyond that device provisioning and really integrating it into workflow requires software. And I think so many companies are a little behind the eight ball with software right now that they don't have a lot of development experience. They've never really developed their own applications. And now all of a sudden, in order to continue accelerating their growth with technology, they're going to need to, to get into the software business a little bit. Yeah, I think I think you make a great point. Um, it's 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 interesting that you mentioned the the, the um, kind of mellowing of of the focus around mobile devices per se. And I was reading something a couple of days ago, I guess it was, that upgrade cycles for things like phones within organizations have gone from what used to be it was it used to be like eighteen months, and now it is going to closer to two years. Uh, before uh, phones are being upgraded, and, and then within that same story, I was reading and that, another stat was that many many companies are simply not issuing phones anymore like they were. They're just letting their workers, as you know, with BYOD, bring their own phones to work. So it's it's changing. If you're a channel company, and you know that was a big part of your business or any type of hardware, um, if upgrade cycles are getting longer. Um, companies are starting to realize that their fortune is going to be made in software, as you said, so they're shifting their focus a little bit. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out, and, and perhaps we are seeing the quote-unquote commoditization of the whole mobility space right now, whether you're selling into it or whether you're an end user of it. Yeah, and, and cloud probably is having a similar effect in that there probably used to be a, a cycle of refreshing on-premise equipment, and now the move to cloud is probably diminishing that, but it's replacing it with uh, other things like management or migration or integration into these cloud providers. Uh, and I, I don't think it's any surprise to see cloud near the top of this list of areas that are, that's going to be growing uh, it's a topic that we've studied for the past several years pretty regularly, uh, and I expect that we'll continue to study it again. I, I still think that with cloud, one of the things that we're going to see happen is it's going to become uh, a lot less of a distinct area. It's going to bleed into every area so much that it's going to be just difficult to talk about cloud as a standalone issue. Um, and instead, people are going to be talking about their overall architecture or they're going to be talking about the business solution that they're trying to produce. And they're going to be using cloud components to do that, but they may be using mobile devices also. They may be using on-premise components uh, along with that. So there's going to be these overall solutions and cloud will be a part, but it's, it's still going to be a huge part of, of driving things forward. Yeah, I, I think that gets into you know your your whole discussion about the you know the framework of of an organization's IT infrastructure and how cloud to me I think we've talked about this in the past as well. I mean, cloud certainly is going to stop I think becoming its own quote unquote category per se, and is something as you said that overlays everything or underlays whichever you want to say everything that we do, much like the internet or bandwidth or anything that you talk about in that regard. So it'll certainly be interesting. I think, though, it gets into, you know, cloud is so pervasive these days that it's also confusing for customers. And there's a huge management overhead that has to um, take place. And, you know, one of the trends that I'm seeing for next year with, within the channel is the opportunity to really become a manager within the cloud space. And by that, I mean become a manager of vendors who are in the cloud space. 
there are so many proliferating. Again, we use the large vendors as examples all the time, like Amazon and Google and Microsoft. But uh, the fact remains that so many ISVs, SaaS ISVs, are, are growing right now who are going to begin using the channel or now directly dealing with end customers who are either self-provisioning their application or getting it through a third party. And as you've seen in your research, there are end users that are doing a lot of cloud migration too. So they're moving from one provider to another. And um, what I'm seeing as I talk to a lot of channel companies out there is they're seeing dollar signs like you wouldn't believe to be the middleman between all of this activity that's going on. And I don't see that slowing down at all. It's, in fact, I see that as, as a bridge to get channel companies from the old world into the new world and to really to be set themselves up at the, as these vendor managers of um, cloud providers. So it's going to be interesting. But you, you're dead on when, what you say about cloud just being that sort of pervasive layer that's going to affect every decision that end users are making about the type of uh, IT infrastructure they want to have. Uh, and it's going to affect every decision about channel companies and what they're going to sell and what they're going to implement and what they're going to manage. And it's going to affect the vendor landscape in terms of what they develop for um, intellectual property and, and uh, solutions. And you're right that a lot of that leads to continued confusion in, in the marketplace. And, and so there's opportunity to sort through a lot of that confusion. There's opportunity to maybe abstract away from that confusion uh, and, and get people a little bit more away from the technical details and thinking about the, the end solution. And the, there's probably the same types of opportunities in that top area then of security. Again, no surprise really to see security at the top there. I would say that as much as we've seen security be in the headlines, one of the additional trends that I have in this report is that security is probably going to continue to get worse before it gets better. We still haven't seen that tipping point. Uh, and that was one of the big questions that came up with that Dyn attack last year was, why aren't we doing more about this? We, you know, we in the, in, in the IT industry and within the security industry could have predicted that something like that Dyn attack would happen with um, connected devices turning into a botnet, but nothing got done to prevent it. And, and so what exactly is going to make that happen? And a lot of people that were being interviewed for that and a lot of people that commented on that following the attack said that we're still waiting for that event to come. And, and we continue to see cybersecurity have impacts on larger and larger uh, things within business and within society. Um, a lot in the news over the past few weeks about Russia and possible involvement or intrusion in some of our election processes here. And maybe that's the type of thing that gets to a tipping point and, and makes the government start saying that something additional needs to be done and it makes consumers start demanding something and it makes businesses behave a little bit differently. But we haven't reached that point yet. And all of these companies that have had security breaches remain in business. Uh, maybe they've made some change and obviously they've had some kind of financial impact that they wouldn't have liked to have, but they're not out of business. Um, and so other companies that haven't had a direct breach probably aren't feeling that pressure yet. Uh, and probably over the next year or the next couple of years, that pressure will increase and there will continue to be opportunities in security. Yeah, oh, there, there definitely will be. I mean, I think part of it too is it's it's a cultural thing in, in some ways is that you people balance the need for security against convenience, efficiency, 
in many cases when they pull when you pull the US citizenry about privacy issues, they're far less uptight about privacy if it means they lose access to all of the online convenience that their life now has compared to, say, Europeans. And, you know, and, and regulation in Europe and Western Europe is, is far, far tougher when it comes to uh, anything related to online and the Internet. And many, m most of that is around privacy concerns. Um, but in the U.S., it's just we like ease, we like convenience, we like, we're not as freaked out about privacy in many regards. And I think that can s explain why we're not seeing, after the initial you know, outcry about some of these major breaches, why you don't see any real consequences. And the other thing I have to ask myself is, is it really, is it that hard? Is, is this just a very, very difficult task for technical specialists in the security world to be able to get to a point where, where these types of breaches aren't going to happen? Or is it just a constant game of trying to each, you know, the bad guys and the good guys outrunning one another over and over and over again? I think it's more of a constant game. And I think that the, the way that it's changed into that constant game really adds to the difficulty that you mentioned, that, that it used to be this mentality of trying to perfectly secure your assets. And, and if you're playing that game, that's very different than playing a game where you're constantly trying to improve and monitor things and detect things rather than just prevent them. So I think changing that mindset is part of what makes this such a difficult proposition these days. Yeah, I would agree with you. I, I think, you know, if, you, if you're able to just completely shut the gate and throw the key away, that's very different than wanting to keep everybody safe but keep everybody happy and free at the same time. Yeah, so those technical areas are what's leading to a lot of the optimism and the growth that we predict. So we're predicting 4.1% growth in 2017, uh, which, just like the optimism, is one of the healthiest numbers that we've ever predicted and other firms have their own predictions and things typically happen throughout the year. Uh, you see these predictions fluctuate and, and never perfectly come true, but there is this general sense of uh, optimism and a little bit stronger growth than we've seen in the past. I think going along with that optimism and growth then leads into the, the third section of the trends that we have along with you know your channel stuff and my technology stuff. Uh, the report also talks about workforce trends. Uh, and so as things are growing and businesses are changing the dynamics of their workforce and exactly what the makeup of their technical staff uh, looks like uh, between the IT function and business units, there are a lot of different things happening. Uh, and, and one of the, the threads that kind of runs through several of these workforce trends is the degree to which technology and automation are going to change the picture here. And there's been a lot of debate over that uh, over the past several years. It certainly wouldn't be the first time that we've got a major inflection point where things are, are changing for uh, the, the types of technology that are being introduced, uh, not just computing technology, but industrial type technology back in the Industrial Revolution that, that can change the, the makeup of employment. And so it's very hard to predict exactly what will happen. Automation is something that will probably make some jobs go away, but the overall appetite for technology is something that would drive jobs up. Uh, and so the overall balance of that and the overall mix of skills that's going to be in demand are something that I think is going to be determined over the next few years. 
Yeah, the the entire automation discussion is is fascinating, and I do think, like like you mentioned, this is not a unique event to our particular day and age. We've had technology that has displaced either entire industries or entire types of workers before, but like you said, where you may lose on one end, you then gain on another. And I, I'm trying to look at this from a positive standpoint and thinking that yes, there'll be automation is going to definitely shake things up in certain industries. In fact, maybe in all industries. I mean, there's nobody's safe supposedly, um, but I think that the the appetite for technology, as you said, is so is such that that in and of itself will generate um, different types of opportunities for the humans among us uh, who are in the workforce. And it's, it's, it's going to be very interesting. The other thing that, was, that I found interesting within these workforce trends was this notion of having to deal with you know, the blended workforce. So we're seeing as part of, I think, the way that technology is changing our, our work environments is that you're seeing far fewer uh, on-staff full-time employees at companies and many are using contract workers and they're, you're going to have to blend um, the way that those those two constituents can um, get along together and work together and we point out in our in our outlook trends you know some software tools now that are available that are really helping matchmake you know freelancers with jobs helping you know I as one who has tried to manage freelancers myself here at CompTIA it isn't an easy thing to work with a you know a disparate group of contract workers everyone's on different schedules different time frames has different terms all of those things are difficult and we're seeing a rise of new applications out there that will help um, ease that process um, so that's good news for me, I guess. But uh, but it's a, it's another interesting change as we get. We, we, what is the uh, what do they call this uh, new environment where um, the 1099 workers? But the, you know that is a reality, and I think that the as we can harness technology to help manage these different type of work environments, that's going to be very helpful moving forward into the next few years. And to your point there, I think it changes. The, the responsibilities of an organization at, when it comes to their workforce. Uh, it changes the mindset of exactly how that workforce gets managed, and I think it changes the, the degree to which an organization needs to think about uh, its employees and the training they have and the skills they have, and, and maybe not even just the employees, but customer sets. And, and uh, one way of thinking about this might be with smart cities and the, the population of those cities. If you put in all of these new tools and technologies, and then you want uh, the citizens to use them, how exactly are, are they going to do that? We, we certainly have technology literacy growing uh, among the general population, but I think our research has shown that that technology literacy is probably not growing at the same rate that technology adoption is. Um, there are certain aspects like security literacy that aren't growing at the same rate as overall technology literacy. And so if you want to create some kind of a, a thriving digital organism, whether that's a corporation or a city or a community or whatever it would be, then you have to think about the, the people that would be involved here. And if you're a business these days, you have to think about what you're going to do to try to get those people up to speed. And if you're on the outside, a third party uh, in the channel, you can probably start thinking about how you might help a business do those things. Because right now, most people probably don't have that as a core competency, whether they're in the channel or clients of the channel. And so it's something that, that people could grow and, uh, and add to their portfolio. 
Yeah, no, I, I think that that's a, a, a great observation. I think that you're right that many, at least channel companies, don't have this as part of their core portfolio right now or skill set. Um, but as we talk, we talk exhaustively about um, companies moving to become digital companies and moving to the cloud and all of the things that we've, uh, we've talked about today. All of that is going to require some significant training or uh, retraining um, among the workforce out there for probably the, you know, the number one reason is uh, it would be around security, but also just have workers be adept at these new technologies, um, know the smart ways to use them so that they can forward their business goals. So if you're a channel company, like you said, this is an area to really think about. We already see the channel moving very heavily into becoming consultants. And um, this could just be another extension of that, is becoming the de facto training trusted advisor who can help an end company and their workers um, navigate the shift to a, more of a digital company and what that means for them and how they conduct themselves and do their jobs and keep things, keep data safe and, and all the things that go along with having a, a, a smooth running machine uh, in a digital world. Mm -hmm. Well, like you said at the beginning, I think it's going to be an interesting year to watch all of these things continue to move forward, uh, continue to impact companies and the workforce, uh, and especially when it comes to workforce, as we continue to work with the channel and the companies there. Uh, we're now adding a component. We announced at the beginning of this year that we are, are merging with AITP. Uh, and so we will be focused, uh, in addition to the channel, on IT professionals within any industry. Uh, and so that will give us a lot more insight into some of these technical skills and some of the ways that the IT function is getting run today. Um, so I think it will be a really exciting year. Yeah, it, it certainly is shaping up to be that way. So I'm looking forward to it. And um, and I know we'll, uh, we have many more podcasts this year to check in and see how things are going. Many more. Many, many more. All right. Well, I think that'll do it for us for today then. So uh, first one in the books for the year. Yep. Again, Happy New Year. We'll talk to you soon. Same to you. Bye. Take care.